When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, everybody, into the ESPN FC studios for this, the latest edition of the show. Alongside Casey Keller, Steve Nickel, I'm Sebastian Salazar. Great to have you with us. We do have a lot to get to. Let's start at the top of the Premier League, where Manchester City and Chelsea were squaring off in a game that ended in a 1-1 draw. Raheem Sterling opening the scoring in the 42nd minute. Man City getting a late equalizer. Rodri scoring off a deflection in the 83rd minute as the teams split the points. So what does it mean atop the table? Well, for Manchester City, a missed opportunity as they drop points at home on the same day that Arsenal and Liverpool each pick up the full three points. For more on this, let's welcome in Julian Laurent and Frank LaBeouf. Stevie, what was, what was up with City today? Uh, I don't think they were quite as sharp in the final third as they normally are. Yeah. Uh, obviously, we showed the Haaland headers. But it's interesting that we showed the highlights and we didn't show Petrick making any saves because right. he didn't have, really have any. I think he had one from Haaland and that was about it. So in the final third, there's no question City were not at it today. Mm-hmm. But you've got to give huge credit to Chelsea's back four. They, they were absolutely phenomenal. I mean, De Sassi almost couldn't put a foot wrong. And Colwell, this, this playing Colwell at left back for most of the season, I hope that Pochettino realises what he's got now. Because this pairing has shown mm-hmm. what they're capable of. So how about you stick with them? Because if they can produce defensive performances like this, then they're going to go and win games. Because we saw going forward that, that they, can, they can attack if you give them space. So yeah, a little bit of both. Fantastic defender from Chelsea, but no question. City went at it in the final third. Yeah, huge gap between these two teams if we look at the Premier League table. Uh, Frank, what surprised you most about what we saw today? Well, it has to go for, for Chelsea, really, because I wasn't expecting such a performance. And, uh, and I agree with Stevie. Um, Di Sassi was absolutely fantastic. But Malo Gusto as well on the right side. Chilwell in the second half also was very good. What about Jackson the first half? I mean, he has two chances. Mm. Um, and uh, it's, uh, it's sad that Malogusto doesn't give him the ball the first touch uh, in the first half because Chelsea could have been uh, leading to, uh, to a nil halftime. But yeah, it's, uh, it's what I'm surprised the most about in that game because I wasn't expecting Chelsea at that level. Yes, maybe City wasn't that good comparing to what they can offer to, uh, uh, to, to, uh, to the world of football. But it's, it's, it's for big part because of uh, the Chelsea tactic uh, that they made, uh, how they played, um, the, 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 the quality of the technique that they used when they had the ball as well, to not lose it and to not suffer too much the, the, the transition or the, or the high pressure of, uh, of City. Chelsea did very well and Chelsea played like a possible team who could play for the first four. It's too late now, of course, mm. but they are, they, they are building something good. Of course, you need confirmation, but uh, it's going the right way. Jules, what do you think? Another one-off for Chelsea or something to build on? I mean, after all, we're looking at the expected goals here. Manchester City had their chances, especially Erling Haaland. Oh, yeah, massively. And you have to say that Chelsea wrote that luck a little bit. Of course, if Haaland scores the first header, 
after 10 minutes, they won it up and it's a very different game. But as TV said, City were not sharp enough in the final third, even if Haaland could have had a hat-trick easily. The, the other big chance that we didn't that we didn't show on the highlight reel that Petkovic saves. Um, and there's another one where he's maybe not sharp enough to, to react on the rebound at some point. But that's, that's got nothing to do with, with Chelsea. They, they, they were good. They were well-structured. The issue I have is the lack of consistency. Remember how bad they were in the first half at Palace only five days ago? Then they're capable of this. What will be the game that they will have next weekend against Liverpool in the League Cup final at Wembley? Nobody knows. Nobody can tell us today this is what Chelsea are going to do against Liverpool in, in seven days' time because it's impossible to tell. They're so up and down, up and down. There's, there's just nothing in terms of consistency, which is a shame because Frank is right. When they play well, they can do really well. And we saw that against Arsenal, against City on both games, even against Liverpool on the first game of the season. However, there have been too many times, like against Wolves, like against Palace in that first half in the last game too, where they were just symbolic. So it's hard to tell really because of the lack of consistency. Mm. Good game nonetheless. I mean, tense. What's your big takeaway? Should we be focusing on what Manchester City maybe left on the table or what Chelsea accomplished, Casey? Well, I think because Chelsea's season's more or less over, you're looking at Man City in this fight uh, to see if they can you know, really be a title contender. And when, you, when you've got a game in hand, you then it's in your hands. If you win your games, you're you're there. And then to slip up in this game where they had, again, 32 shots and five on target. I mean, when 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 Stevie says they were a little bit off in the final third, the statistics show that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's a Man City team we know. Even when they scored the the equalizer, my my first impression was okay. They'll get two more. Yep. They'll win this game three one. And they created. They created enough chances to do that. But, again, I like what, what, what Frankie and Jules are saying, that Chelsea did do enough mm-hmm. and that they, that they showed something that I don't think we've seen consistently this season. Just a, a bit of a fight, a bit of a, a resilience where I think at different times in this season it would have finished 3-1 and Man City would have cruised away with three points in the end. I'm going to stick up for the goalkeepers here. Mm-hmm. This game could have finished completely different. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It did like a 1-1, right? Edelson not made yeah, the save at 1-0. Yep. Yep. City won't get anything from this game. Yeah. So, Jackson had his Anybody had his who listens to us and we talk about you know, having a, having a world-class goalkeeper gains you points during the season. If for anybody sure. thought that we weren't being truthful, this is the perfect example. Because they don't get anything. Unless Edison makes that save, they don't get anything out of this game. They're not, they're not coming back. Is there a bigger concern for City here? Because obviously they dropped points today, but it feels maybe recent performances, like something's been coming. They, they, uh, Copenhagen's one thing, they win 3-1, but maybe they didn't, they didn't blow them out like you might have expected. Right. The Everton game um, the, other, the other week, it took them a long time to break through. You know, my, my worry for City is not about what they do going forward. This team can't keep a clean sheet. They got two clean sheets mm-hmm. in the last 14 Premier League games. Mm-hmm. And again today, they were lucky they only lost yeah, one. for sure. They, they, know, they got hit on the counter yeah. multiple times. Yeah, and, and the biggest problem they have is they can't deal with genuine pace. You know, they've got good defenders. Ake, Akanji, uh, Diaz, they're good defenders. They're not slow, but they can't deal with genuine pace. And so when City turned the ball over and you have people like Jackson and Sterling who've got genuine pace and they've got plenty of room, they don't seem to be able to stop it. And, and that would be my one worry. I think, 
I think when you have 32 shots and you have 70% of the ball, teams are going to be sitting in and you're going to have some games where it's just not quite going to work out. And let's be honest, we're sitting here talking about Haaland mm -hmm. missing two of the easiest chances two or he three, will have. Right? Yeah. So I, I, I don't think the worry is, is, is for City going forward. Mm -hmm. The worry is how do they keep a clean sheet? Yeah. Uh, Jules, what do you make of this Manchester City defence? Is that their Achilles heel? Yeah, I agree with Stevie completely. I mean, the stats to start with, two clean sheets in 14 is not enough. This is not good enough. And this is the time where we thought, OK, this, this is when the machine starts going on and then they're unstoppable and you can't beat them. And they... But the problem is, if you leak goals like they do, or if you could just concede goals or chances like they do, that machine already is not functioning well. The problem is they can't control space when they don't have the ball which is something that they did very well in the second part of last season. And this time they don't do well. And you've got different ways of controlling space when the other team has the ball. You force them to do a bad pass, so the ball goes into spaces that is, is, is no danger. Or when the ball goes into a good area, then you've got either the defenders with enough pace or reading of the game enough to be there and be the first one on the ball. Or even if they're not first, they're tight enough to don't give any space at all once an opposition player has the ball in those areas. And right now, they don't do any of that. And the boy said the high lines today was really all over the place at time. And there were nobody pressuring on the ball. So it was an easy pass. There's one in the first half where Chilwell has all the time in the world to find Sterling behind the line. And it's Chilwell's mistake because it's a bad pass. Otherwise, I think Sterling is through. And it's just, this is just not good enough. And maybe Stone's um, injury worries this season has prevented Pep from using stones like he did in the second half of last season, almost in midfield and in that kind of hybrid role that really protected the back three really well or the back four at times. And he doesn't have that option now. But he will have to find a, a solution because otherwise, they might, it's just not good enough defensively right now. Frank, what do you make of City's defensive issues? Do you think this is something that could cost them, whether it's the Premier League or the Champions League down the road? Yeah, definitely. It's a concern. Definitely. Last year, they were very strong. Um, the, uh, it, it's, when, it's when really they, they got the people and stunts, as Jules explained, in the middle of the park, you know, uh, protecting uh, the defenders. It's when they got the results. Uh, today, or this season, Rodri seems to be on his own in that matter. And, uh, and, and it's not enough. I will always think that and that you can achieve something if you are firstly strong defensively which is not their cases their case they they think about getting the ball getting high the ball uh, on the field and try to uh, get into transition and score goals but you have to think that if one day like today your cyborg guys is unplugged and doesn't score you have to at least keep the clean sheet if it doesn't work offensively, you have to secure defensively. And they, they don't have that, that option right now. Uh, they're too much opened, uh, especially in the middle of the park. And uh, the level of uh, Diaz, Walker, Akenji as well is lower than last season, mm. for sure, 100%. It's why maybe you have those results and the fact they can't keep a clean sheet. There we have it. Manchester City dropping points at home in what we know is a very tight title race in the Premier League. Liverpool picking up an important but costly victory away to Brentford on Saturday. Curtis Jones, Darwin Nunez, and Diogo Jota all going down with the injuries. Jota's looking the most serious. The good news, though, 
Liverpool do get the three points with four different goal scorers. Nunez, McAllister, Mo Salah back from AFCON, and Gakpo all on the board for Liverpool. Stevie, what's the bigger headline here? That, that 4-1 scoreline or the, the players that went out? Oh, the players that went out. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Curtis Jones might not be that long, but Jota looked, looked serious, didn't it? Yeah, of, of the three, Jota looks like it's more than just a knock. Mm-hmm. You know, the other, the other two, mm-hmm. the Curtis Jones one, Jones one is, a, is, a, is a knock, mm-hmm. so that's good news. Uh, the Nunes one, we don't really know, but the fact that he, was, he finished the half and it's a precautionary tells you that it's not that bad. Mm-hmm. But How big is the Jota one? Because he's not always in the 11, but man, when he's on the field, he is just... Well, the, so only, the, only, the only good thing is that Mo Salah is back. Yep. Yep. It would have been a whole different answer to the question had Mo Salah not been back fit today uh, because Jot is so underrated. So underrated. I mean, he's so good in the air for such a small guy. He, he, he gets everybody going. He gets the crowd going. He gets the rest of the team going. He's clever. He's got a great football brain. Mm-hmm. And most of all, he scores goals. So, yeah, he's, he'll be a big miss. But the fact is, is that Mo Salah's back, which kind of compensates a little mm-hmm. bit for that. And the second half, I mean, was great. They responded as yeah. you would have liked to, to an injury. And They played like championship record. contenders away from home. You know, away from home, if you can produce a performance like that, and Brentford's not at their best, but it's not easy. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got, you've got to do all the right things. You've got to shut the crowd down, shut them down, and play your football. Perfect. That's what they did. Yep. Can't ask for any more. What do you think of Liverpool today? Well, I think... Part of is, is they responded to the opportunities that Brentford gave them. And, and Brentford, you can't gift Liverpool those kind of chances and think you're yeah. going to get something <laughs> out of the game. You're, they showed that they can be dangerous, but, you, but when, you're, when you're comparing quality between two sides, you, you just can't allow Liverpool those types of opportunities, or you're going to pay the price. And I think Brentford did that, and, and, and Liverpool said thank you very much. Yeah, and Liverpool wasn't at full strength. We mentioned uh, No Allison, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Sobosly, a bunch of guys uh, injured on top of the injuries that are racked up today in this game. Frank, what do you make of Liverpool's performance, especially given the fact that they had a lot of those key players out? They, they amazed me, uh, Seb, in a way that they were in total control of the game for 90 minutes. I never felt them in danger. They were strong defensively. They knew how to play. As the guy said, you know, they, they had so many gifts also from Brentford. I mean, the first goal, you have to see how Regulon tried to defend. He doesn't even try to go for the header with Jota. Jota does very well. He's very clever. He exactly knows what he has to do. But Regulon doesn't know anything about what he has to do. He tries to kick the ball with his left foot where the ball is on the, uh, uh, in the air. So it's a, it's a, it's a nightmare. And, 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 and um, on top of you know, Liverpool being so good, so much in control, if you give so much gifts, it's impossible for you. But I, I love the way they, they performed, the way they, they played all together. Um, uh, um, even Gravenberg, I found him very good. You know, he got the ball back. It's on the third goal, I think it's him who bring the, the contra-attack. They were all spot on. I mm. love that. It's very sad that they have three injuries. Hopefully for them, it was going to be nothing for most of them, especially for Jota. I agree with Stevie. The guy is amazing. Mm. The guy is so much underrated. It's, it's, he has everything. Everything. Jules, what about uh, Darwin Nunez? As Stevie said, maybe shutting up some of the haters today with that finish in the first half. Mm. I think he's getting better in terms of efficiency and 
we, we tend to say quite often with him that when he has too much time to think, that's when he misses. And when he just reacts and, and sits in like the goals against Newcastle, for example, who are the two special goals, especially after coming on, then, then that's, where, that's when he's at his best. But today he had plenty of time because the ball comes to him really early and then he's there, he's there, he's moving. And we're all thinking, okay, what is he going to do? Is he going to run the keeper? Is he going to put it, you know, just, just shoot it across? And then that little dink is beautiful. And, I, and we know how talented he is. It's not, it's not a problem about his talents. It's just that sometimes the efficiency, the clinicality is just not there enough compared to all the chances that he gets, especially the, the kind of easiest one, if you want. But I thought today it was great. And also which you don't see on the highlights, it's everything else that he does. He's the first one to press. He triggers the press and everybody follows. He can hold the, bo- hold the ball up. Well, let's not forget, he's still very young. And this is only his second season in England as well. But like we saw in uh, Benfica and also in Spain before, his second season is already better than his first one. And I just think he's going to keep improving, improving. There's, he's already on 10 goals and 10 assists, plus 10 plus, 10 plus in both of them, which I think there's only three players in the whole... Uh, five big leagues in Europe this season. So he's clearly having a really good season. It's just the thing that it could be even better had he's taken more chances in previous games. Liverpool then 4-1 winners taking full advantage of the Manchester City slip-up. Did you know less than 10% of Americans own an e-bike? Here's why that should change. Studies show e-bike owners actually end up exercising more, plus getting outside more. If you're looking for a balanced lifestyle and everyday adventures, you need to check out Electric e-bikes. They are the number one selling e-bike brand in America. Their bikes are typically foldable, pre-assembled and have serious range up to 150 miles on some models. Check them out today at electricebikes.com and add some more adventure to your week. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Bikes.com. Elsewhere in the Premier League, Arsenal absolutely taking care of business away against Burnley as they win by a final score of 5-0. Bukayo Saka with a brace. Havertz, Trossard and Odegaard, your other goal scorers for Arsenal, who are on an absolute heater. That is now five Premier League wins in a row. Over that stretch, they've outscored their opponents 21-2. And in three of those five games, Arsenal have scored five or more goals. Jules, we know you've got your uh, Arsenal ways. Surely you must be over the moon with what you saw. Yeah, I thought it was a really good performance overall on the continuity of what they showed and what we showed on the graphic just now when you've got that kind of momentum. And also when you face a team like Burnley, we saw the Liverpool goal at Brentford and Brentford made a lot of mistakes. They were actually, apart from the Harvest goal at the end where they fall asleep, I, I, I even think that on the Harvest goal that we didn't, you don't see well, on the highlights, they try to play offside on the throw on the throw-in. That's how bad the Burnley defenders are. They don't even know the rules. <laughs> but, but, but for the rest of the time, they you know they, they there's not an individual direct mistake. Maybe like you could see, mm. which means that they were completely overwhelmed by the movement from Arsenal, the position play from Arsenal, everything. And and again, Burnley are they're not good enough to be in this league anyway. But still, to go there and score five goals like that, I thought it was really impressive. Mm. Anybody playing better than Arsenal right now in the Premier League, Stevie? No. No. Is it particularly close, even? I mean, Liverpool's there, you'd probably say, right? Yes. Yeah, no, I think, I think there's two teams at the top. Liverpool and Arsenal are right now playing the, the best football. Mm-hmm. And you've got to ask yourself the question with, with Burnley. And, it, and it's all very well to say, well, this is our principles and we like to play football. But when you're clearly 
not just on paper, but when the whistle goes, clearly the opposition are so superior to you, then you have to adapt. You, you can't just gamble and say, right, we're going, to, we're going to take on probably the team most informed in the Premier League. We're going to take them on and we're going to go toe-to-toe -to -toe and we're going to try and outplay them. And if you do that, this is what happens. Mm -hmm. Because you're up against a team that is just so good, has, has, has goals all over the field pretty much, mm -hmm. and you end up losing 5-0 at home. And Arsenal were fantastic, but Burnley, you've got, you got to rethink what you're doing. Yeah. So uh, Arsenal, Manchester City and Liverpool, of course, uh, right in it for the Premier League title race. Here's a look at the odds as the odds makers see it. I guess, Frank, the question here as far as Arsenal is, yeah, it's a good streak, uh, but we remember at the end of last year, there was a streak that was bad. Can they sustain it, Frank? Yes, I think, I think they're getting the experience that you need to uh, perform until the last day. And uh, they're getting better and better. And, uh, yeah, I think in a neutral point of view, I would say like two weeks ago, everybody would thought, yes, Arsenal is going to finish third and uh, it's between Liverpool and City. Even if I, if I still think that City is a favourite, you cannot um, avoid thinking that ooh, Arsenal, they're doing well. They're like in a racing car where they're just behind and ready to overtake you uh, as soon as they can to, to finish first. So you have to really think that they're capable of doing it. You have to respect them because for sure they are contenders and they're showing that they play the best football. They're scoring so many goals. They're so, so much efficient. And if the others, the opponents, are bad, it may be because they're very good. You buying this run, Casey, is kind of a launching pad to a Premier League title for Arsenal? I think what they're doing is they're giving themselves an opportunity. Uh, I, I'm still, I think when we look at what City have done over the recent history, uh, what Liverpool have been able to achieve over in the last several years with, with Jurgen Klopp, we've just yet to see that with Arsenal. And until they do it, there's still going to be that doubt is can they? Mm -hmm. um, and so, the, yeah, the only way you, know, we, you talked about Liverpool and how long it was in the Premier League before they were able to win the title. Well, you don't get in the conversation until you actually do it. And so Liverpool's done it. They've yes, they've had some cups. They've done this. So, OK, great. Yes, we think that there's it's a possibility. Arsenal yet have, have been able to prove that last year when they had the good run, it faltered. Mm -hmm. Now the, the, it's still the question mark. Okay, show us you can do it. Stevie, aside from the experience, when you look at this Arsenal team, because like when we talk can about I City, you, you had a clear, you know, can Achilles heel. Yeah, what? You said aside from the experience? So that's, <laughs> that's it. That's the, the only thing you can point to <laughs> that's Arsenal. The only, but that's a big that's thing. That's the only thing they're missing, but it just happens to I know. be huge. But, but Liverpool to, went without a title 30 years, and they didn't this, have the experience, and then they won it. Yeah. But that's why we're questioning it, though, because Arsenal do not have the experience. Mm -hmm. And when you... Listen, if Arsenal were up against Leicester City or Watford, then the experience kind of... That part of it disappears, because mm -hmm. neither of them have got experience. Mm -hmm. But when you're up against two teams who have recently won the Premier League, who have recently won the Champions League, yep. you shouldn't be surprised when people think you're third favourite. Mm. Jules, how big of an issue is Arsenal's lack of Premier League title winning experience in this race? No, I think it's a fair point from Stevie. I think, I guess, they've got the expense of last season, which didn't go well, but at least they can maybe just think about what happened there and whether this time they are the hunters or they are still hunted, we will know. 
I think it's, it's also worth reminding everyone that Liverpool will host City and that Liverpool and Arsenal have already played each other twice, so there's, there's no more Liverpool-Arsenal or Arsenal-Liverpool. That Arsenal will also go to City on March the 31st, which is before the clash between Liverpool and, and City. There, there's other games because I think Manchester United are going to be, whether we think they're good or not, they're going to be a bit of a, of a referee in this title race. Spurs as well, because I think Spurs are still facing three of them, the three of them too. So there will be some of those big games there and there, uh, which will be important, and also injuries. And right now, some of the Arsenal injured players are coming back slowly. City seem okay in terms of injuries, and Liverpool, as we've been saying, have been hit quite hard by injuries to Trent, to Alisson, to Soboslai, now Jota, and maybe Darwin and, and Jones, etc., etc. That will also played a big part. We saw that with Saliba Arsenal last season. Just one guy missing and it seemed like all, it was all falling apart. So, fitness-wise, obviously, is always important, as, as the experience that Stevie mentioned. And also, I guess, European competitions. Who's going to go far and how far Liverpool in the Europa League, City and Arsenal in the Champions League. That also, I think, will matter a bit towards the, the final weeks of the season. All right, thank you very much, Jules. There we have it, the Premier League title race as it stands. Liverpool first, Arsenal second, and Manchester City third. Most of this crew, Jules aside, will be back for today's edition of ESPN FC Extra Time, where we take your questions off of social media. Make sure to check it out over on the ESPN FC YouTube channel. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights and more. Whether you're into speed, power or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash FC. Just go to Indeed.com slash FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on the podcast. Indeed.com slash FC. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Robert Lewandowski's stoppage time penalty. The difference is Barcelona beat Celta de Vigo 2-1. to one. Big victory for Barcelona. Craig Burley, Luis Garcia joining us to break it all down. But first, let's hear from Barcelona manager Xavi Hernandez spoke post-match with Arsid Lowe. 
like it felt like after the goal you conceded that there was maybe 10 or 15 minutes that were a bit chaotic it was a bit difficult to get control Did, is, is it hard emotionally for a team to respond to that kind of blow? yes when we concede a goal yes emotionally we are not uh, in the best moment but uh, I think we play so well uh, we we don't play bad today so I think positionally especially uh, we did an effort they did a, a great effort especially in defense so they defend really well uh, we couldn't attack in the in the best uh, in the best uh, uh, position, but I think uh, it's, it's very very well deserved uh, the victory today. And what kind of state do you think the team is in now for the return of the Champions League? Do you do you feel like this is a team that can compete in the Champions League? Today is very important these three points because uh, we give today confidence, morale to prepare now Champions League, and we are ready. We are ready to compete in in round of 16. Well, he's not lying. At least in terms of how important the three points are. Barcelona, three points now, clear of Atletico Madrid and up into the third spot in La Liga. Still seven points back of your league leaders, Real Madrid. Just look at the bottom half of the table. Key missed opportunity for Celta de Vigo. Still above the relegation zone, but not by much. For more on this, let's welcome into the show Luis Garcia, himself a former Barcelona player. What do you think of what Xavi said there, Luis? Barcelona deserved the victory today. You agree? <laughs> yeah, 50-50, let's say it this way. I think the Xavi needs to continue sending that message of uh, positive uh, about uh, the team, trying to create that momentum. It's true that I think that the first 45 minutes puts more uh, dominant into the game, but uh, didn't create much. Uh, I think that Celta Vigo was very well organized. Xavi mentioned it, very compact not allowing much. And in the second half, we saw a totally different Celta Vigo, more proactive, uh, committing more players up front, and I think they deserve a little bit more than nothing on today's game. It's true that in the last part, it was about that penalty, but Barcelona really in the last part of the game didn't create much. We saw um, Rafinha getting involved into the game. We saw La Media Madrid was one of the most active players, but in the end, no many crea chances created, no many shots on target, and it was a Celta Vigo controlling the, uh, the last part of the game. So, yeah, he might send that, that message, but I think that uh, it'll look uh, the other way. I think it was a, a more fair result to get a, a point for Celta Vigo too. Make the case they were pretty fortunate today, no? Barcelona? It's amazing what you see sometimes when you're stood on the touchline and you try to convince yourself because... <laughs> well, he wasn't watching the game, he was watching the camera. There that was game, anything so. but uh, a very good performance. To be fair, what's he going to say? I mean, he's got Champions League coming up. I mean, he can't bury the guys now, can he? Well, like, whatever he said, he said. I think if you watched the game, it wasn't a very, very good performance. In fact, uh, as Luis just mentioned, Celta Vigo come into the game in the second half, were creating chances, actually looked more dangerous. And it's not like they were hanging on at mm -hmm. the end. Yes, Barca got that penalty. It was very slack, kicking Lamine uh, Yamal when he was you know, on the blind side. Uh, and that can happen. But it wasn't like Barca were just pummeling and balls in the box, shots at the goal, and Celta Vigo were hanging on. It wasn't like that at all. So uh, they got a little fortunate in the fact that they got, you know, they got the penalty, which was correct. Then he got two bites at the cherry because the goalkeeper was off his line, uh, Lewandowski. And they get the three points. But it, it, it was anything uh, but convincing. And it was, it's not a performance. And I wasn't expecting to be, said a performance where... And I think this is going to be indicative of between now and end of the season. Something you go, wow. If they'd have been playing like this early in the season, maybe they would have been in this title race. Because every time we watch them play, 
uh, in La Liga in particular, it has been very pedestrian this season. No matter who plays, there's been a lot of changes. Some youngsters come in, some fresh legs, some experienced players, a bit of a mishmash. Whoever plays in this Barca team has been very one-paced. And that was evident again here uh, in this match today. A lot of people think the uh, league is done and dusted for Barcelona. There is still, of course, the matter of Champions League. They got Napoli in the round of 16. First leg Wednesday in Napoli. Luis, how do you fancy Barcelona's chances in this showdown? Well, after what we've seen in the past uh, few games, uh, not the big hopes, uh, to be honest. I think that uh, even though they're in Napoli, are not arriving in the best moment. They are nine on the Serie A, not having the best of the seasons. They're still having a lot of players up front. Osimhen looks like he's not going to be involved, but still having Chelinski, Caratelia, uh, Napoli on the, on the right side. A lot of players who can be very dangerous. And something that Barcelona is struggling is uh, how vulnerable they are at the back, how many mistakes they do on the build-up, also missing uh, maladjustment uh, because of lack of communication. So that's a big problem for Barcelona. Arriving to to Napoli and try to keep a clean shield looks right now impossible because if they haven't done that in the past uh, two months, it looks like it's going to be very difficult and that's what you need to, to, to try to be focused on. Not conceding, arrive to Barcelona and try to, to finish the, the, the knockout and, and go through. Um, I'm going to go for a 51-49% of, uh, of possibilities for Barcelona because I think that they got to still have a talent and because Napoli is not the right moment. Also, because Oshime is not going to be right there, so it's also a, a big positive thing for Barcelona. But it still, it's going to be, I think, a very even uh, competition. Here it is. Uh, Barcelona-Napoli, again, the first leg Wednesday in Italy. Atletico Madrid, meanwhile, in action earlier today, taking on Las Palmas. What a day for Atleti as they gear up for Champions League action as well. 15 minutes in, no Alvaro Morata... No Antoine Griezmann, no problem. Marcos Llorente making it 1-0. Griezmann getting a rest because they have Inter in the Champions League in midweek. Alvaro Morata picked up an injury, so Llorente pushing forward. Angle Correa getting some game time. And Llorente with a finish that uh, the strikers will be proud of. That's good closing down from Correa, who's getting some game time in there as well. And just leaning on their squad with these players uh, being out. And Atleti adding to their lead early in the second half. Coque with the header on to Correa, 3-0. Yeah, it's looking like just cementing the top four for them now, the title. I think uh, that ship sailed uh, maybe a month or so ago for Atletico Madrid. Samuelino into the penalty area. He goes down. No penalty at first, but we get a VAR check, and we are going to the spot. Yeah, no contact in the ball. A little surprise the referee didn't see it. You know, first time round in real play, but that's why we have the VAR, folks. Correa from the spot, converts, he's got a brace as well, 4-0. And then one more for Atleti in the 87th. Memphis Depay, the finishing touch to make it 5. Yeah, it's an easy game for them, it's not going to be like that during the week when they play Inter, but they are, at times this season, a big threat going forward, scoring a lot of goals. Here we see the odds to advance between Inter and Atleti. First leg Tuesday at the San Siro. Luis, we know you have your Barcelona ways, your Atleti ways as well. What do you think of the matchup here against Inter Milan? Tight, uh, very tight. Even though that uh, Inter is doing a fantastic uh, season uh, with uh, Lautaro Martinez in top four, Simon Inzaghi has had so many options to bring on the field. But the first game playing right there, I think, is something that Simeone was just 
touch it in his hands because it's the way that he want to go there, try to make it tight, the KG game, not allowing much space, not allowing the, the, the Inter to, to believe or to create a lot. And then when you go to the Wanda Metropolitano, you know how the atmosphere creates and uh, how they uh, receive the boost of the supporters. So uh, I will go a little bit for Inter the Milan to, to go ahead and maybe 55-45, I will give it the, the chance. But definitely having the second leg at, um, at the Metropolitano, I think it's a fantastic opportunity to, to Atletico in Madrid to go through. So a uh, very even game once again, uh, even though the Inter is, is in a great moment. You got Inter as the favourites here? Just slightly. And you know how Atleti have been really attacking this season at mm -hmm. times? Don't expect that in the San Siro. As Luis says, this is perfect for them. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they will be. Maybe they will be a little bit more open, but I don't think so. I think they can smell this is a very tough game against a side that are romping away at the top of Serie A. Arguably one of the, mm. one of the uh, ties of this round. Uh, and I never thought I'd be saying that when it was Inter and yeah. Atleti, but it, but it is. And they're going to go there and they're going to try and make it absolutely as hard for Inter to score as possible. And if they get something on the counter then they will take it. I think they're going to regress back to what has served them so well for so long, which in some sense they've got away, they've got gone away from this season. Been quite entertaining, scoring a lot of goals and have been a bit more open. I think Simeone going over there back to his former club is going to say, listen guys, let's just get here, do a job, doesn't have to be fancy, take them back to our place and then we can play our football. But you're absolutely right. I mean, it's, it's a close one, but I think Inter at the moment, just slight favourites. Elsewhere in Madrid, of course, the uh, big news this week, Kylian Mbappe telling PSG he will be leaving the club this summer. Many expecting him to join Real Madrid, and that was a topic of conversation in our pre-match show. I think it's the worst-kept secret, secret mm -hmm. going. I also think I am like a lot of people, and I don't think it's just me that says, I truly, truly have been fed up with this mm -hmm. story rumbling, rumbling on and on. And of course, myself, along with quite a few others, felt we were of the opinion that when this move came about, I can't remember if it was 18 months or so ago, that when Florentino Perez thought he had it done, mm -hmm. that it all sort of collapsed and, and Kylian Mbappe uh, backtracked, whether it was pressure from the French President Macron or, or, or not, I don't, I don't know. But we all felt that was the time to go and make it and, and make that move, and he didn't do it. And I think that was a big mistake because PSG has been, as we know, a circus. Uh, I think he should have made it you know, a year or two uh, ago. He didn't. And, and I'm glad he is making it now. It's going to be huge for La Liga. It's going to be huge... Uh, for Real Madrid, but it just seems that this guy, to me, one of the worries is that as good a player as he is, and he's a brilliant, brilliantly fantastic footballer, that it's very me, me, me with him, and it's all about him, and I think one thing Ancelotti has instilled into this uh, Real Madrid side, although there's some big stars like Vinicius and Jude Bellingham and, and, and many others, is that there isn't a feeling that the one guy is the huge star. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a feeling of a team camaraderie at Real Madrid, and everybody working for each other. Uh, and that's why they've been able to cope in adversity with the injuries that they've had. And let's see if he, even with his skill set, upsets that apple cart when he goes in there. Or whether he goes in and he's got the same mindset, the same work ethic as all these guys. If he has, then obviously and clearly they are getting a world-class player. Sid, we haven't had you on since the latest news around Mbappe broke. How would you categorize the reaction, not just in Spain, but specifically maybe in the Barcelona press? Is the sky falling for them? 
Yeah, I, I quite enjoyed Xavi's response to this yesterday. He was asked about killing Mbappé in the in the pre-match press conference for this game, and he said, "Look, I don't know why you're asking me about Mbappé. Our reality is a different reality." And there it was in a nutshell: the difference between the two clubs right now, their economic situation, the kind of players they can attract. In terms of the reaction to Mbappé, I mean, Craig's kind of alluded to this, and I, and I think it's absolutely the case that people in Spain have got a bit bored of this. That this finally happening really was a case of finally happening. You know, this isn't really news. We knew this was going to happen, but actually, once it got to that point with the announcement that, that it really could happen now, I think there is excitement. I think there is an awareness that this is a truly great player at a time when Real Madrid is playing really quite well anyway. And so I think that that kind of all of the last, I mean, genuinely, we're talking six years now, this relationship on and off with Real Madrid. The last six years can disappear when he finally turns up. You've had some people in the Madrid media talking about how Mbappé has to come and sort of apologise for wasting everyone's time. And I don't know about you, but I just think that's nonsense. You don't have to apologise. You just have to turn up and score a hat-trick and then it will be done. <laughs> There it is. All right, uh, Sid, thank you very much. Uh, that'll be Sid's last contribution because I think they're giving you a hook there uh, on the field side. Real Madrid in action against Rayo Vallecano, a Madrid City Derby, tomorrow, 7.45 a.m. Eastern time right here on ESPN+. Plus. been a pretty good week for Real Madrid in the newspaper. It's also uh, linked with Alfonso Davies. Holland, De Bruyne, Stevie and Shepard, Spy, Shaka and Naps, all great teammates. But what's the perfect teammate for growing your business? Well, that's Shopify. <coughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify makes it easy for you to show up exactly the way you want to. Customize your online store to your style with gorgeous, flexible templates and powerful tools. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify magic your AI-powered all-star. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com FC. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com FC now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash FC. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. The good times keep going for Bayer Leverkusen. 2-1 victors away to Heidenheim on Saturday. Goals from Fringpong and Adli for your Bundesliga league leaders. Our Archie Rintut was there and caught up with some of the victors, starting with their manager, Xavi Alonso. Last week, you told us about the tactical elements that pleased you, in particular the role of Nathan Teller, Amin Adli and Florian Wirtz up front. What pleased you today on a tactical level? Yeah, both the strikers, they did it really well. We wanted to pin them a little bit higher uh, to create because they were jumpers, so we were, we were, we were able to stress the two centre-backs. Patrick and Amin, they have been really good. For sure, we could have scored uh, that connection with Flo between the lines. 
earlier, but they have done really well. And to be able to run a little bit to the space, not that many combinations in short, a little bit playing into the last line, not into the middle line. And, and that idea, uh, we've managed it quite well because here they are really strong in the duels. They recover really well and the contrast with Dinchi and, and Beste, they are really good. But overall, we controlled it really well, really executed what we had in mind, what we've been preparing. And that's why it's, it's not easy to win here. Great three points. What can you say about these two standing next to you and the role that they play in the team? To be honest, um, I'm happy to be part of this team. I'm happy to be part of these uh, guys, um, young guys who, who are very hungry as well um, to achieve something, who listen a lot, who want to do the next step um, in a football career. And um, yeah, it's a pleasure to have these boys um, close close to me, close to us. And um, one more time, uh, they showed a great, great game today with, uh, with both they scored. And yeah, every game they help, help us and um, we are happy to have them. The only questionable part. Happy also to play with hey, thank you. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, I mean, what would you like to say about Granite? No, I think everybody saw the quality he bring. The experience is very good guy. I think he, he had a very big impact on the locker room. Everybody learned from him. It's a very good guy, and we are just happy to play with a good player like this. Granite, I need to ask you a que another question about them. They had this dance going on after they scored. Were you a fan of that? Yeah, as long as we win, as long as they, they put this performance, I'm happy with. But um, this is nothing what you see on the pitch, uh, on the pitch what they do in the dressing room. So it's nothing new for us. We know that uh, they are very happy guys. Um, we are enjoying with them. It's always good to have players and people like this for the dressing room. And um, yeah, the performance uh, shows one more time that they can do it. I mean, just finally, the coaches emphasized process over the result and not getting carried away. How is that for you as a team to find the balance between enjoying the football but making sure that you don't look at the table too much? I think for sure when you play football you enjoy when you win. So this is what we have to do. You have to win to enjoy playing football. I don't know a team who is enjoying football and losing every game. So the thing is that we try to enjoy every game by winning and this is what we are doing in the moment. We just have to keep keep like this. I think we're in a good momentum. The locker room is very happy. We are living a very great season. And the thing is just that we want to keep going like this. So we just put every time, every game, 100% to win the game, to, to keep this good feeling in the locker room. Granite, Amin, Jeremy, again. Thank you very much for thank your you time. Thank you so much. <laughs> All right, Archie, uh, always rocking the freshest gear there. How about the, uh, the jacket there uh -huh. from our Archie Rintat? Here's a look at the Bundesliga table. Bayern Munich in action tomorrow. So Bayer Leverkusen then, with the victory, extend their lead to eight points over the 11-time defending champions of the German top flight. Casey, you were working this yeah. game. Uh, what did you take away from Leverkusen's performance? I think, you know, if there was ever a moment you might have expected a letdown, it's after the Bayern drubbing, well, but they certainly didn't let Well, down. that was the question, right? The question was, is were they able to refocus? Mm -hmm. Because... Steve, you've been in those situations where the, the manager's telling you all week, but telling you and doing it are two different things. And we're, we, we, the conversation we had with about Arsenal, 
is relevant with Leverkusen. Mm -hmm. you know, now, Leverkusen... The game's an easy game, huh? Well, to be motivated, yeah. to be ready to go. And, and this is a Leverkusen side that, you know, has the tag Neverkusen mm -hmm. because they always seem to find a way to not be able to get over the finish line. So you think, okay, there's the big win against Bayern last week. They get the five points. Now, this is a... This is a Heidenheim side that were eight matches unbeaten that are, are, are very difficult to play against, mm -hmm. particularly at home. So emotional up from the Bayern win. You go to a team that's in good form, that plays a little bit different. Can you execute? Can you put that aside and get all three points? And they had a professional performance today to do exactly that. Bayer Leverkusen, 2-1 winners away. That's now 32 matches, again, across all comps unbeaten. As we mentioned, Bayern in action tomorrow. They're away against Bochum. Uh, been a bad week for Bayern beyond the loss to Leverkusen. Of course, the loss in Champions League play as well to Lazio. Casey, they're saying this is a must-win for Thomas Tuchel, but it's hard to trust this Bayern team, even against yep. Oakham, isn't it? Yes and no. I mean, yes, they're going to have some players missing, and yes, they they, they still are Bayern Munich mm -hmm. playing against a, a Bochum side. And, and you, you, with all the criticism that came their way, and rightfully so over the last couple matches, uh, you expect, you truly expect a, a performance that bounces back. Mm -hmm. uh, but again, you, you mentioned this is not a, a Bayern Munich side that you're used to seeing. Yes, there was the question mark of last season where I don't really even want to say that they won the title, more that Dortmund lost yeah. the title. Yeah. And then you thought, okay, what's the response going to be? And of course, the Harry Kane signing and all the buzz for that. But when you look at, at, at the, the managerial issues that they're having, Nagelsmann gets let go. You bring in Tuchel. Tuchel now has lost 10 games in half the time that Nagelsmann did, and he got fired. So uh, you just think that is this the time where Bayern Munich are going to have to kind of have a big rethink, have a big reshuffle, not just manager, but the way they do things. But and if, and if they lose against Bochum. Yep. The reports are if they lose against Bochum, that's it for Thomas Tuchel. Well, that, that, there no, could no, be sorry. more than... If they don't win against Bochum. Well, and it then. could be more than just Tuchel, like we saw with Nagelsmann, where then it was Oliver Kahn who was let go. And you know, there's a lot of cooks in that kitchen at Bayern Munich, and you wonder who's actually making the decisions. Tough times at Bayern Munich. Tough times at Bochum, too, to be fair. They're in a relegation scrap themselves as we take a look at the uh, doubleheader. It'll kick things off in the morning here on ESPN Plus in the Bundesliga at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time. Freiburg against Eintracht Frankfurt. And then the aforementioned Bayern Munich, their visit to Bochum. Coverage starting at 11.30 a.m. Eastern Time here on ESPN Plus tomorrow. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Celta are hanging in there by their fingernails. On the referee, is given a penalty. He kicks him. That hurts. It hurts even more than he's giving the penalty away. 
for Robert Lewandowski. He's been in a position like this on multiple occasions. Oh, the goalkeeper makes a very impressive save. He's off his line, and it will be taken again. Lewandowski, take two. Same technique, clapped it away, win up for Barcelona. How dramatic is this? Come on, Xavi, give us a smile. Robert, you've scored, unless my calculations are wrong, 672 goals, uh, 50 for Barcelona. So I assume you don't get very nervous when you're taking a penalty. But when it's the last minute to win a game and you've already had one save, what's going through your mind? Uh, yeah, it's a very tough moment uh, for me as well. I know that in my situation, if I stay in front of the um, goalkeeper, I, I know that is the moment for the team. And when I missed the first penalty, I was first mind, what's happened? What's something's gone wrong? And the second is like I know that this wasn't something um, also for the goalkeeper because it's the move from the goalkeeper was um, probably too um, too fast. But the second penalty, I said, okay, do your job, do uh, the best what you can do in this penalty. Stay focused uh, because everything what was outside um, is, doesn't matter. You have to be there, and uh, the team need you, and this is the moment for you. And uh, I'm very happy that I score the the second goal as well from the penalty. And in the end, we won this guy, uh, this game. When they get a penalty, you think we've lost it, and it's saved, and then they get another chance to to take it. It's must be pretty hard to take. Yeah, obviously now I think uh, everyone in the team is like out of air or out of uh, emotion, as you say. Like it, it pro it kills you inside the head. But uh, I think with rest and uh, coming back, we can go, come back stronger. All right, the player that was called for the late penalty against Celta de Vigo, Fran Beltran, the midfielder, here's what he had to say about the play. Quote: I had to come out and talk because on the last play I made a mistake that I couldn't afford. After seeing the play, I think I should have cleared it with a header. They say uh, hindsight is 2020. no? <laughs> really? Yeah. You should have cleared it with a header. I shouldn't have kicked the guy in the backside and caused the penalty. Uh, there was the difference between Barcelona picking up all three points away from home. Thanks to uh, Craig, Luis, and Jules for hanging out with us. For Craig and Casey, and Frank, the work has not ended. Extra time. Craig? 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 Now. And Craig, don't forget Craig. No, I thanked him. He's not coming back right now. Yeah, twice. Oh, I did? Yeah. It's Why Casey and Frank that are coming back <laughs> for extra time. That's what I meant to say. Welcome, everybody, into the ESPN FC studios for today's Extra Time. We've got a well-dressed Frank LaBeouf joining us from abroad. Stevie Casey here to take your questions. Let's dive right into them. First one from Amin. For Stevie, Arsenal scored 21 goals in the last five Premier League games. Do they still need a striker to win the league? That's something we didn't talk about in the show. Uh, yes. Really? <laughs> 21 goals in five games? Well, what were we seeing before Christmas? Right, but there's been a month and a half since Christmas. Well, again, you've got to look, there's a lot of things that go into it, though. Okay. It's not that straightforward. Right. Now, look at you. During the show, we put up the last five games. Mm -hmm. Now, the, old, the the tough game they had in amongst that five was Liverpool. The rest, you like, if you want to win the title, you've got to win these games against right. these teams. But other the teams, teams are winning five and the six. The four teams Nothing. that are down the bottom of the league. Right, but other teams oh, aren't pumping those teams five, six. Yeah, but it's, 
it's, it's, it's a material. It, it, it's nice. It's nice that when you... Bonus. It's, yeah, that, that you can go into a game like today and know that by the end you've already won the game. But, but yeah, it, it's still opponents that if you're going to be in the title race, you should be beating. And they're doing it. But, again, we talked about, we talked about the experience of this Arsenal team over the last you know, 10, 15 years, and they need to prove that this group of players can, can get over the finish line. Frank, what do you think? Do Arsenal need a striker? I mean, the window's closed, but... Yes, and, and the best example is City. Remember, for some years, they had no strikers, and uh, they, they kept on, on winning the title, but getting Haaland made them better. And I really think that if they have, if they have a, I don't know, I would say a nosy man, maybe a Tony, um, somebody who can score like 15, 20 goals, it's always a plus. It's always a plus. If you keep the chemistry between the, the players and, uh, and the fact that some others can score, it's definitely a plus. If Leverkusen were in the Champions League, would they be contenders to win it all? What do you think? Win it all? Win it all. What does that mean? Win the whole, win the Champions League. If they were in it, would you would you think they would be contenders, one of the favorites oh. to well, win it all? I, th I think you've got to look at, you've got to be realistic. Mm -hmm. This time next year, you probably won't recognize this team. Okay, I'm talking about this year. This year's Bayer Leverkusen. If they were in it this year, would they be contenders? Oh, yes. Yeah? Yeah, you don't go 32 games unbeaten. Uh, be ahead of them. Well, listen, if they were playing Man City tomorrow, if they were playing Real Madrid tomorrow, right. That's I, would, I would have them as favourites against Leverkusen. I put them right in well, that same... That doesn't same, mean the Leverkusen We had this conversation win. yesterday with Inter. Yeah. And I put them kind of in the same conversation as Inter. Arsenal in that conversation. Too. Agreed. Yep. All right, next question comes from, from Danny Mack, but it's for Stevie. Have you ever played with a teammate who was getting dogs abuse off his own fans, and how were they able to silence the boo boys? What is dogs abuse? Just very yeah, bad just abuse? Dogs, yeah, it's just a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, didn't want, I didn't want PETA to Bleep, 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 bleep. <laughs> a lot of bleeps. Yes. <laughs> I'm trying to remember his name. I went on loan. The last season was at Sheffield Wednesday. I went on loan for the last three months, four months of the season to, to West Brom. And we had a wee guy in midfield and he was having one of those days where everything he touched just went wrong. And people started getting on him. And, then the, and what he did was, he completely turned the whole thing around. He did something that was not bad. <laughs> because he was having one of those days. Right. What he did was, as soon as he did it, there was some sort of sarcastic applause. Mm. So he jumped on the ground and started doing push-ups. Did like <laughs> did like 15 of those push-ups. And the whole place just burst out laughing. <laughs> and they could, after that, every time we went near him, they were all cheering and way and whoa. It was, what a turnaround. Dogs are used to everybody cheering for you, just like that. Brilliant. Frank, you ever have a teammate that got uh, booed by their own fans? Now that I recalled, uh, it can happen in you know, a one game where you have a bad game and because you're a striker, you missed uh, chances or you're a defender, you, you maybe score two on goals that you can be booed, but it can happen one game. But I never had that experience that the guy was really abused by, the, by our own fans, you know, for, for a couple of games. I never had that, uh, that bad time for teammates, fortunately. 
Casey? I had, I had a teammate at Millwall who was a former Palace player. And so it was, it was a situation that I think is maybe unique mm -hmm. to Millwall. Oh, Millwall was just unique. <laughs> just put Millwall yes. and unique in the and, same sense. And so, and so this player who just generally kind of got abuse from the Millwall fans just because he was an ex-Palace player. But I remember he scores a goal. Scores a very good goal. The fans cheer the goal. But then when it goes over the loudspeaker and the goal scorer was, they booed him. <laughs> I, was I was telling him last week about Mark Bright oh, yeah. getting in his car and everybody bouncing at him. Yeah. He played for Millwall. I mean, Don has, And Palace. Don has we told the story, that. right? When he went to Millwall, the fans got after him as well. It's another nice. level. Uh, it's yeah. truly another level. They never got after you, did they? I had a very good relationship yeah, with the Millwall fans. Uh, for Casey, another two goals for Josh Sargent today. Where does he rank on your list of U.S. strikers at the moment, and could it be time for the U.S. to play with two up top? Yeah, I have no problem. I, 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 I think if you play with one or three up front, depending on how much you have of the ball, right, um, you're very dependent on... The winger on the opposite side has to really tuck in and be a goal-scoring threat. You know, I mean, if, if we're looking at that Leverkusen game and Frimpong, who's the who's the right-sided player, was able to get in and, and be a and be a threat-scoring goal. So I have no. I, 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 I think particularly in games where the U.S. is going to dominate, like in a Gold Cup uh -huh. against maybe some lesser. Yes. Get a, get a second strike in there. Get more action up there. And, and Josh Sargent is proving now if he can stay fit, keep that form going. And look, we all knew there was a ton of talent there. There's no question about that. Mm. But there's a point where, again, you just have to do it week in and week out. And let's see if he can stay fit enough to do that. Uh, it's also about the competition, right? Balogun has been a little bit ice cold of late. Pepe scores, but he doesn't play a lot, so. Well, there, there's no question we're in a, we're waiting for the next striker to emerge. We've had some young players that have shown moments, but they've yet to really establish themselves. And, and, and that's why I was, I was all for Josh staying in the championship, staying at Norwich, and, and, and scoring goals. And then if you are good enough, you'll get the opportunity at the top flight. Next question is a direct shot at my athletic ego. Who would win a game of 11 50-year-old Stevies against 11 peak Sebs? Oh, geez, that's not... You, you, you were okay at 50, right? You weren't too banged were up. Were you still playing for the Boston Bulldogs or what? When did you stop playing for, for the Boston Bulldogs? I was... That's when you... Well, 39, I think. Okay, so 11 years after you last were a okay. professional, what kind of shape were you in? But I'm going to bring something in, Stevie, that you said yesterday. Mm -hmm. You kind of knew it was time when, when, when you were making tackles that you uh, shouldn't have been making. Yeah. So here's what I'm going to say. 11 of those Stevies <laughs> against... Uh, making 11 of those tackles. Against the, the tackles yeah. against 11 sets. It's yeah. over. Yeah. It, it, it might end up 11 v 8 or 9, <laughs> but still, it wouldn't matter. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you have no chance. No I chance. mean, I, I would disagree. Peak Seb at 
21, 22, coming but, out of college, but lean peak, and but mean. Peak but, Seb hey, broken in half. Run all day, brother. <laughs> run all day, brother. I'm Seb on one leg. <laughs> yeah. You just got broken in half. I mean, the disrespect here is. I mean, you can run all day. That's one thing. But can you control a bag of cement? I would take today, 11 today, Sebs, against 11-50-year-old Stevies. Can you oh. control a bag of cement, though? I can control whatever you want, Steven. Oh, well. You've never seen me, the string puller, the maestro in midfield. Maestro. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even say it with a straight face. Um, all right, last one here. Stevie, are the injuries eventually going to catch up and derail Liverpool's chances at the title, or do you think they have a deep enough squad to withstand the injuries? Well, I, I, cool. that's a tough one because... Allison, we don't know yet. What did they say in three weeks? I think I said two or three weeks ago yeah. that I, I've, I've actually not been giving enough to Liverpool squad players. I, I, at the start of the season, I didn't think Liverpool squad was deep enough. But wasn't Klopp but, saying that a lot too? That he was yeah, trying yeah, yeah, to kind of was, strengthen the squad. But you don't sit top of the league in February, and you, sure. you haven't been, you don't compete at the top of the league for the whole season. And you think of the injuries they've had for the whole season when your French, so-called French players actually have done a good job. And I don't think I gave them enough credit for that. I think the only thing that really would derail them is more injuries. But I think the squad absolutely is deep enough. And today there wasn't enough? Yeah, <laughs> because, because they've come in. You know, Keller is in goal. Keller's come in and done well. Quance has been solid. He's, he's done pretty well. Curtis Jones seems to have taken another step forward. Mm -hmm. You know, Elliot's come in and done well. So, so I mean, I'm now up to like four and five names. Bradley. Yeah, Connor Bradley. Right yep. So, all of a sudden, they've kind of developed sneakily, quietly, quite a solid squad mm -hmm. with, with an exceptional starting 11. Frank, what do you think? Is Liverpool's squad deep enough to overcome these injuries and make that push for the Premier League? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I'm very positive about that because, you know, when Salah left to go to the Afton, you know, we wonder, you know, where, how they're going to score goals. You know, Nunez wasn't good enough. What about Jota? Those two guys were absolutely fantastic uh, um, and, uh, and, um, and did the job uh, until Salah came back today. Uh, and again, uh, we talked about Trent Alexander-Arnold, but the young Bradley, and today, he, ex he played exactly like uh, Klopp wants uh, TAA sorry, to play. And uh, that's, that was a copy of it and he was very good at it. So, um, you know, while Robertson was, uh, was injured, somebody was playing on the left side and he went well. Everybody seems to be interchangeable at Liverpool and, uh, and does the job. So I'm not worried. Of course, if you have five other injuries, it's going to start being very difficult for them. But they still can cope. You know, Salah is back, so if Jota is injured, you can deal with that. I don't think Nunez is going to be injured for a while. Um, and, and the others are going to come back. And meanwhile, some players and uh, most players are doing the job very well. Mm. You agree, Casey? Yep. They can cope? I do. I think they cope. Now, now again, I, I agree with Frankie that it, there is a preface on I don't think they can afford many more injuries. Right, yeah. and, and, and if the injuries that they have now aren't kind of season ending, that they're, that they're going to be back in a week or two, I think they'll cope well. Mm. I hope for good news on Diogo Jota, but yeah. it didn't, uh, did not look good there for one of uh, Liverpool's 
most effective and most fun players to watch uh, as well. All right, that'll do it for this edition of Extra Time. Thanks to you for sending in your questions. Thanks to Frank, Casey, and Stevie as well, as always, for the laughs. And we'll see you back here in the studio for tomorrow's edition of ESPN FC. Don't miss it. Plenty of football to discuss. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is to not search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com FC. Just go to Indeed.com FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com FC. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 